Welcome to episode 117 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host, David Cumberford, and I'm joined by Matt Addison to discuss the goalless draw with Crystal Palace. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So, a pretty dull game. Um, Not going to be the liveliest episode of Reds Unrestricted ever, I don't think, but we'll make sure we... uh, we got plenty of talking points out of it, don't worry about that. Both teams hit the crossbar in this one. Palace in the first half through Jean-Philippe Mateta, uh, Liverpool in the second through Mo Salah, but neither could find the breakthrough. And neither, for large parts of it, really looked like scoring. It's probably fair to say so. Like I said, in the intro, I'm joined by Matt uh, from Liverpool.com. And as usual, Matt, will begin our post-match podcast with a three-word match review and a general summary, please, of Liverpool's performance last night. Yeah, whenever I do this podcast, I always struggle to come up with three words. I suppose there was uh, there was slightly less to analyse, shall we say, last night. So that wasn't uh, wasn't as hard as, as it could have been. But I just think there's so many issues; it's it's quite hard to to put it into to three. But I've gone with midfield worries again. I think that's basically what it boils down to uh, for me. Is you know, you, you can look at, at the issues that Trent is having at the moment. You can look at the attacking issues and they didn't really create too much. But I think it, it does boil down essentially to the midfield just not being good enough. And I think most people, when you saw the team sheet last night, you would have looked at it and thought, I'm not too sure about the, the midfield three that was there. Obviously, what happened to Naby Keita in the first half was pretty awful, but the, the other two were not much better. You think of the substitutions, Stefan Bajetic did probably more than anybody else, and he was only on the pitch for about three minutes. Fabinho came on, could have been sent off. Henderson looked miles off it. It, it just, it, to me, everything that has gone wrong this season, it doesn't end with the midfield, but it certainly starts with it. Yeah, I think um, Milner being, I think, 37, and probably being the best midfielder, Last night says says quite a lot, unfortunately. Um, my review is uh, dull and frustrating, to be fair, because, you know, like like I said, it was, you know, I, I don't ever get bored watching Liverpool games because I'm always quite nervous. It's always a little bit tense. But I think if I was a neutral watching that, um, I, I might have considered turning it off, to be fair. It was it was a really poor match. And I think on the frustrating side, it's just, you know, I've got some, um, some stats here that they said on the coverage about... Um, how badly Palace have been doing this year. Um, they hadn't won a single game this year. Obviously, they didn't win last night, but this is how weak a team was talking about. Four goals in the previous seven matches, no wins against the top-half team, fewest points in the Premier League this year. So, you know, they've not beaten us, but you look at that and you think that's a missed opportunity. Top four-wise, we're playing a team who actually probably almost rival us in terms of how low their confidence is based on that. And... Um, Naturally, those runs don't last forever. You know, you're talking about a, a decent team with a with a, a pretty good manager in Palace. But again, it, it just felt like almost, you know, a game that we, we had to be winning, kind of, in the grand scheme of the top four race. And, um, and we'll, we'll come on to that in a second. As for the performance, I thought, I mean, watching Liverpool kind of dominate possession in the first half, I was hopeful that it could just be one of them where we just, you know, grab a couple of goals and it's just a kind of a game that you kind of control and you just, you know, forget about it. Um, you, you come away with your win and then you hope for kind of that ugly victory in the second half. But Liverpool don't really get those anymore, unfortunately. They, they've been kind of a sort of one of the, the big uh, 
the big assets of this team is being able to pull out those results and they're not being able to do that. Um, so that was a shame. And in the end, you got to say probably lucky not to lose it, given the, the chances that we, not really that they created, but chances that we, or more specifically Trent, gave them. Um, and let's use that as a segue to come on to Trent, um, one of the players who probably struggled most last night. He's made some strides in recent weeks, hasn't he, Matt? But that felt like a big step back yesterday. Yeah, it, it just felt a little bit off right from the start, really. You saw sort of the expression on his face. He, he seemed angry and frustrated before a ball had even been kicked. And he was having a bit of a go at Henderson. He had a go at Matip when he put the ball out. And you know, obviously, you know, you need players to, to kind of raise the standards of, of everyone else. But I think it's maybe not the best look when you're having a bit of a nightmare yourself to then start having to go at other people for, for not playing the right pass or not making the right decision. And it, it just... I don't know what it is with him. Um, the, the, there are still decent signs. The, the numbers are not quite you know, what they have been in other seasons in terms of his attacking. But just going the other way, I don't know whether... The, the only kind of rational explanation that I can come to is that it's just more that the players around him have changed more than, than what he has. I don't think for, for somebody of his age and for his experience, he, he shouldn't be one that has just dropped off a cliff. I just wonder whether... It goes back to the midfield again. Jordan Henderson maybe can't offer as much protection. Fabinho isn't able to, to stop as many things as, as what he used to. Matip alongside him is a little bit shaky. And, you know, even someone like Mohamed Salah maybe has to, to do a little bit more sometimes going back the, the other way. Maybe you can afford to, to have that when the other players are, are at the peak. It, it, it just strikes me as, as being really odd. I think with, you know, Fabinho, you can say, well, he's had a lot of, of minutes. You know, Matip is getting to that age and, and he had the, the kind of best season of his career by a mile last season. Maybe there was always going to be a natural decline. Jordan Henderson is at that age. But with, with Trent, there's no real excuse for it. There's no sort of, you know, thing that you can just go, oh, well, he, he's just played too many minutes. He, he has played a lot of football, but he's, he's still at the age where, you know, he, he should still be able to do a little bit more. So I just find it hard to, to explain really what's, what's gone wrong with him. But yeah, I thought that the body language was poor and he just didn't, he didn't look particularly interested, which uh, it sounds a bit daft to say it because I know that he he, he obviously will be. He's a big Liverpool fan. He's, he's very much a, a top professional, but it, something something just didn't look, look right with him. And it, unfortunately, it's not the first time that that's happened this season. Yeah, I have to agree, sadly. I mean, what, it's interesting what you say there about him being a Liverpool fan. He's probably feeling this just as much as, as anybody else, but he's not really channeling that into the right kind of reaction. I think he's just becoming, a, you know, a little bit, you know, too frustrated. And I don't like reading into body language too much because I think sometimes you can draw the wrong conclusions, but it was hard to kind of ignore the signs you were seeing from Alexander-Arnold even just through the television yesterday. And I mean, we'd be remiss not to mention the uh, the free kick that looked like it was uh, flying into the top corner. Um, but for Henderson blocking it, which I thought kind of summed up Liverpool's season in one moment, to be fair. Um, having said that, you know, yes, we might be talking about a sort of glowing Trent performance. Um, maybe that just flips the narrative if he if he puts that goal in and Henderson's not in the way, but that would be sort of papering over the cracks. I mean, that the error in particular um, that led to Mateta hitting the crossbar was was awful. You know, to lose the ball there and to, to be out strength there was was terrible from him. Um, very very fortunate not to be punished. Another player who has had a really sort of grim night there is, is Naby Keita. And I don't actually think he played that badly. Um, I think it was it was harsh to drop him from the team a couple of weeks back. Um, comes back in here, but he just ends up 
kind of fading fading into nothingness almost because he gets this yellow card, makes a couple of fouls, and then Klopp's like, you know what? I think he says in his interview, he can't play contact. Um, he basically can't play contact sport in the second half now because he's already on that tightrope. So what what did you make of that and what ramifications might it have for Cater in the next weeks and months as he ticks down to, towards what looks like the end of his Liverpool career? I think it's just summed up his entire time at Liverpool, to be honest. I think he, he didn't really do a great deal. He's he's not really been able to do what we thought he was going to do when he arrived and obviously gets the yellow cards. Not the first time he's been took off at half-time. Didn't really make any impact going either way. He, he had about seven or eight touches and made about four or five fouls. And it just... It just wasn't enough, basically. I think it it, it kind of summed up um, exactly why Liverpool will let him go on a free in the summer. And I don't think anybody is, is really questioning that. I think the big question really for me is that how has it got to this point where, you know, three games in a week, you're going to have to make a few changes. They've exhausted Stefan Bacetic. I thought he looked absolutely shattered against Real Madrid. The, the last 20 minutes, I was just desperate for him to come off because he just kept giving the ball away. And, you know, that's no slight on him. He's, he's at that age. He's, he's just played too many minutes. Effectively, what Liverpool have backed themselves into a corner with is that they've got to play navigator. You know, he, he's coming to the end of his contract. He's you know, not particularly pulling up any trees at the moment, but you're going to have to play him again before the end of this season. So you, you can't really kill his confidence and, and come out and, and say, you know, he's, he's, he's not anywhere near the level or, or whatever. You've just got to persist with him. And he's going to have more performances like this because that's what he's been like since he came into Liverpool. So the, the frustration for me at this point isn't with Naby Keita. I think it, it, it has been in the past. I think you know, the, the first couple of seasons that he was at Liverpool, you just wanted to see more from him. You thought maybe, you know, if you could get the other side of, of his injuries and, and get a sustained run in the team. And to be fair, we did see that the second half of, of last season. He did managed to avoid injury and, and kind of show a little bit of what he could do. But even even then, when that was his absolute peak, he wasn't still the, the player that Liverpool thought that they were getting. But I think at this point, the frustration is just that Liverpool still have to rely on him, that he is still one of the midfielders that Jurgen Klopp will turn to. And I, I agree with you. I think it was slightly harsh to bring him out of the team a couple of weeks ago. But you know, put it into to context, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, for example, in a similar contract situation, don't think he's even on the benches yesterday and, and hasn't been for, for two or three games now. That should be the situation, really. If, if you're inside the last few months of your deal, you shouldn't be one of the names that Liverpool are turning to for, for a big game that they need to win. They should have been able to, to have the contract sorted out or they should have moved him on. They should have been a little bit more ruthless. You know, we, we heard Jurgen Klopp in his press conference saying, well, they couldn't go out and, and sign a couple of players last summer because they didn't know who was going and, and who was staying. But... I agree to a point, but I think with, with these players, Naby Keita and, and Oxley chamberlain in particular, you've just got to be a little bit more ruthless. They could have got rid of at least one of those players last summer. They might not have got a load of money for them with 12 months left on the contract, but it's still better than nothing. And it would have freed up a, a position in the squad to get someone who is a little bit more reliable. And you, know, you, you can't tell me... I, I, I will not accept that there is not a player out there that Liverpool could have got last summer that is better than Naby Keita. Yeah, you um, don't really want to subscribe to that narrative that the club peddled, I guess. And, and when players are running down the contract, you know, you don't want to call their professionalism into question, but it is all subconscious, really. And you kind of liken it to, you know, if you were on a sinking ship and Liverpool isn't too far away from that at the moment, but you knew that you'd be getting on a lifeboat. So I don't think you'd be kind of rushing over there with your sort of bucket, trying to trying to clear the water away because you're... Um, you don't have the same level of investments um, is the reality, even if you kind of think that you do. Um, so we'll see what happens with, with Keita, certainly. One interesting footnote on the midfield. 
Arthur seems to have been back in training for a while now. No sign of him yet actually coming back into the squad, though. So I don't know if he's going to be thrown out for, for the, rest, the, the rest of the season. And um, we'll see what happens with that, too. Um, any positives from yesterday, Matt? I mean, we've just been speaking about the, the negatives up to this point. Um, not, not particularly. Um, it was a clean sheet, I suppose. I suppose that's just about a positive. But then, like we said before, Crystal Palace are not a team that particularly scores loads of goals. I think that's you'd expect Liverpool to be able to keep a clean sheet in, in these games, similar with Newcastle for 70 minutes playing with 10 men, similar with Everton with a, a lad up front who, who I don't think has, has scored for them, doesn't really score goals, isn't really a Premier League player, didn't really have anything to, to offer. So it is three she- uh, clean sheets on the bounce, but I think you've you've kind of got to put that into a little bit of perspective. I don't think that's... I mean, look, it, it, is, a, it is a positive, but I don't think it's, it's an absolute, you know, nailed on thing that you can think well they'll definitely get one against Wolves I think Wolves will be a much bigger test and, and that's the biggest frustration really is that Crystal Palace this week is, is probably the easiest easiest game of the week and Liverpool haven't won that one I think Wolves will be a step up and I'm already looking at Manchester United with uh, a little bit of uh, trepidation so yeah positives not not particularly I don't think that there wasn't really there wasn't really too much to, to think about in that sort of way I don't think all I'd say is um, I thought Van Dijk was closer to his best. I thought he was a bit more commanding yesterday. Um, obviously, he had his fair share of criticism, so it's only right to talk about when he plays well. And also, sometimes when a game goes badly, you're looking at the players who aren't there, who reflected quite well. Darwin Nunez, one of them. Uh, I said on Twitter that for all his, his uh, obvious flaws, um, Liverpool do seem to be missing him when he's not available and he gets these kind of uh, occasional knocks. Um, we touched on it there. Missed opportunity, top four wise. Do you think this puts more pressure on Liverpool to to beat Manchester United next weekend? Because if you looked at it and said, you know what, you've got twelve points or something coming into that United game, you can afford a draw there. But having dropped points in this one is the kind of more of an onus there beyond obviously just like the bragging right side of it and it being like a very meaningful fixture emotionally. Um, top four wise for Liverpool to to go and actually get three points there. Uh, I think it depends a little bit. If they beat Wolves, maybe less so. Um, certainly, if they don't manage to beat Wolves, I think then suddenly it becomes a, a massive game. But I don't know. I, I almost feel like that might be one where they can raise the game, and, and you know, Anfield will be be a better place for for that one. I, obviously, I mentioned Marcus Rashford before that I'm I'm a little bit concerned about that. But I just feel like it, it might be one of those games, a little bit like the, the Man City game earlier in the season. There's there's other examples as well of where. Liverpool have just stepped up and, and looked a bit more like themselves in those games, which again you've, you know, you take the positive at the time, but then you still have to question the, the kind of mentality for for the other lesser games where they haven't managed to turn up and do that. But yeah, I just I don't know. I think you know you you are you are able to be a little bit inconsistent in the top four race. I think a lot of it is it's going to change every couple of weeks. I think, you know, it's only a couple of weeks ago that Tottenham beat City and then Tottenham lose to Leicester and then Tottenham are playing Chelsea today. And suddenly you can start to, to look at these kind of narratives and think, you know, one week Tottenham look like they can go on a run, the next they don't. Liverpool suddenly do. There's there's a long time left in the, the season. I think if you offered me a win against Wolves and a draw against United, you know, even after the back of, of a draw with, with Crystal Palace, I'd probably take that. I just think you know there's 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 still enough time left in the season. I'm not massively convinced by Newcastle. I think Liverpool will finish above them. I think it's basically Liverpool or Tottenham for that fourth spot. And yeah, Tottenham have, have got some tricky games coming up. Um, 
you know, there's long enough left that I think if you offered me a point against United, I'd probably take it, even in the circumstances. Yeah, because I, I remember in that season a couple of years ago, I, I sort of there were a few results where I was sort of like, okay, that's it, you know, we've we've ruined our own top four chances, and then you realise that well, given the inconsistency of teams in that in that part of the table, you, if you put a couple of back to back wins together, you know things are a whole lot rosier, and it, and it is all going to come down to who can go on a run, and that run doesn't necessarily need to be, you know. 10 games it can just be kind of five or six and and, and that can be the difference so there's no need to kind of uh catastrophize based off this result even though like we we've both said it was um the game liverpool should have been winning certainly um even after obviously the the damage they took psychologically against real madrid but one last question um before we finish up obviously that like you've mentioned we're playing wolves um in one of our games in hand in midweek we could see um Canate potentially back in the lineup, hopefully Nunez too. Um after that shoulder injury that he's picked up against Newcastle was managed here. Um would I mean presumably those two will come back into the lineup for you if available. Would there be any any other changes that you'd look to make? Yeah, I think the uh, the midfield will probably change again. I think Pachetic, if he can play maybe one of the next two, it's probably the right thing to do. Um, the, the problem is you've not got loads of, of changes, have you? I mean, Fabio Cavallo, I thought, probably could have come off the bench yesterday, but didn't. Curtis Jones is there, but hasn't played for a long time. I think there will be you know, th- those two changes, I think, definitely. Um, I thought Diogo Jota had one or two moments yesterday, but you know, he's, he's, he just needs minutes in his legs, doesn't he? He's not scored for so long. He's not, not played with a, a couple of big injuries. I think you, know, you, you may be just need to, to give him, you know, uh, continue to, to have him on the, the bench and, and bring him off. So maybe I'd take him out and, and put Darwin Nunez in. The midfield is, is tricky. I think Stefan Vajetic, you, you definitely bring back in when you can, but then it's a case of, well, who else? You know, do you bring Fabinho back in? Maybe, just for, for, for the rotation of it. I'd be surprised if Naby Keita started against. That's probably one that you'd, you'd take out. Maybe Henderson has to go again, but then you think, can he play three times in a week? Maybe not, and you'd, you'd quite like to see him maybe against United. I think there'll be at least one midfield change for, for Wolves, but it's pretty it's pretty tricky to, to work out what that is. And possibly there might be a change at fullback as well. I think maybe it's uh, maybe Wolves is, is a Simicast game, but yeah, again, that, that, that's not one I'd be... It's not one I'd be pushing for unless the medical department said, yes, you've absolutely got to do it. Yeah, I was thinking, Simicast, we've not seen him in it in a good while, to be fair. And it's telling what you say, really, with the midfield, you know, that changes are needed. Unfortunately, there aren't really the attractive alternatives there uh, beyond Bicesic, who uh, definitely deserves to come back in after what, like you said, was a necessary rest. But yeah, that'll wrap us up for this podcast. Um, Thanks very much, Matt. Um, I'll put the link to Matt's Twitter profile in the description. You can read all of his work on liverpool.com as well. And we'll be back after the Wolves game in midweek. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this podcast and you listen on an audio platform, please um, follow the podcast, uh, give it a positive review. We'd really appreciate it, especially five stars on Spotify. And if you're watching it on YouTube, remember to like the video. If you enjoyed, uh, comment, subscribe, press the notification button so it appears in your feed and all that good stuff. But yeah. Like I said, we will see you again in midweek and until then, take care.